So what did you want to do today? You want to rip into this introductory podcast or what's your plan? Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Just have a short discussion about, um, well, this this uh, endeavor, this plan, this um, podcast that we kind of want to get started and maybe just to get to know each other a little bit, like a, a, a quick backstory, like biopic of the two of us. And then hopefully... Uh, you know, what do we, where do we want to go? Maybe have a discussion about where we want to go um, in the podcast, why we're doing it, right? Um, and et cetera. So yeah, just a little bit about each other and and then our aspirations. Why are we doing this, you know? For what cause, what end, uh, if any. Um, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's a, that's a great way. All right, well, let me start then. Uh, so my name's Steve. I'm from Australia. I'm from Western Sydney, Australia. Uh, hence my my bad accent. Uh, I'm an English. I think it's lovely. Oh, oh, thank you, John. Thank you, John. Uh, I'm an English teacher in an American school in Bogota, Colombia. I've been doing that for the last kind of maybe six years, working in uh, working in schools, teaching English literature. And before that, I was a real estate valuer. I had a really boring job. Uh, working in economics, and then I, I transitioned. And I restudied to be a teacher because I wanted to change lives. Um, but yeah, I'm living in Colombia. I've, I've got a small family here. I've been here for seven years, and it's a, it's um, you know I, I love to observe human nature and understand people and psychology and philosophy. And you know, like I'm I'm far from being an expert, uh, but I just I just love good conversation as well. And and I think for me, this podcast is a lot about just sharing cool ideas and and using a bit of the background that I have, you know, like I, I should mention as well that I'm 40 years old, 40 years old. Uh, so with that said, you know, teaching background, economics background, 40 years old, Australian traveler living in Colombia. Now I've lived in Thailand for a while. I've lived in Malta for a while. Um, but is Colombia is now my base. Uh, I think, um, yeah, that that gives me living abroad has given me a kind of a different perspective to talk about life and the human condition and and psychology and there's lots to unpack. So, yeah, man, that's me, John. So it's all yours, brother. That's great, and I'll tell you a little bit of my, about myself. But I want to ask you first: Did you live in other places in Australia, or were you pretty much grounded in Western Sydney the, for all of your uh, experience there? Yeah, I, I pretty yeah. So the answer to your question is I've. I have really only lived in one place. Um, I've lived around Western Sydney. I've, I was living in the Lower Blue Mountains. I've lived in quite a like a rural. I grew up in a pretty rural part of Australia, uh, Western Sydney, Australia, called the Hawkesbury. If anyone knows that region, and it's basically all kind of acreage properties, and um, it's very isolated but really beautiful. It's not like Alaska beautiful. We don't have like mountains that are, you know piercing mountains and and wildlife but it's it's green and it's lush and it's um it's kind of country but it's not too country you're sort of about an hour and a half away from the city uh and i've my parents have got a little holiday house in the coast so when i was a kid i used to go to the coast a lot um on the beach and swim there but i never lived there and that's you know i never lived there as an adult and that's a that's a big difference so i've kind of been a little bit around here and there but i've always basically oscillated between somewhere in the Western, Western Sydney, Australia. And I went to university in, in um, the university of Western Sydney, Australia. So yeah, Western Sydney boy through and through. 
Well, that's interesting because when, like, I've known you quite a while. I think, well, almost seven years, right? Six years, six years or so. Yeah. And uh, I've always known you're from Western Sydney, but to be honest, all I thought of when I think of Western Sydney is actually like still the city. So when you when you would tell me that, I would envision the city of sydney maybe just the western district you know mm-hmm. like where all the cafes and art uh, galleries are at i'm not sure but no that's very interesting man it, it sounds very rural and uh close to nature in many ways yeah well you're right because western sydney there is it's residential like suburban and then it, it gets it's kind of like columbia you, you you get out of the city and all of a sudden opens up and then there's lots of foresty and trees and bush uh but if you go if that's if you go west um and you get so when you go west out of sydney you go you get into basically um residential areas pretty quickly and it's it kind of sprawls out and then once you surpass that and then it gets rural and that doesn't take that long it's really like an hour and a half uh but if you go east in you know in australia if you sooner or later you're going to hit the coast and it's the east coast of australia is so beautiful you know the beaches are so clean and fresh and the sand's amazing and um the wind and the and the and the nature out there it's just such a beautiful place and there's not a lot of people there's australia has i don't know probably 30 million people now and it's a huge country continent you know it's it's very sparsely populated so it's you know you head to the beach and you might go to a, a beach on the on in the eastern in the east of Australia and go go north a little bit and you might find a beach and nobody is there, right? And that's quite common in Australian beaches that um especially around Central Coast, Gosford, and and all the way up to the north of Australia, going up to the state of Queensland. There's some beautiful beaches there. Um so yeah, I guess it's funny that I think in life you have a perspective or a, or a, or a a picture in your head what is that person and how they've lived and what they've done but it's kind of like you it's 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 like a filter right it's it's just really an idea uh it's hard to kind of really picture it unless you've been there yeah no that, that yeah absolutely like i said i was at first a little bit i wouldn't say confused i just had my own belief of what you know what that place was like and uh well i've learned something already so um, very good. And what, what if you could name one of your favorite activities to do? What was one of the number one things you did in Western Sydney when you were a boy or a teenager or a young man uh, to you know to pass time? What did you guys do? There was something I there was actually a, a water ski wakeboard park that was uh, pretty close to my house, and I used to love going there and wakeboarding and and water skiing, and. Um, that was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. And we used to, yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. So that's one thing that we did there. And I guess another thing that's really cool too, that there is the the lower blue mountains there. We used to go trekking through the bush uh, and go and just go walking. And that's pretty cool. Pretty cool to do as well. But the wakeboarding park park was a lot of fun, you know, but it was expensive. So we didn't go all the time. Um, that was something we had access to in in Western Sydney. We didn't have the beach, but we had the wakeboarding park. Oh, that's awesome, man. I've never been wakeboarding, but I am a board sport enthusiast, or well, I used to be before I gained a lot of weight and blew out my ankle a few times. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, that's awesome. I didn't know that about you either, man. Uh, good stuff. Well, I guess I can introduce myself. Um, 
Yeah, let's go ahead. I'll introduce myself. So my name's uh, John and uh, John Fanaro, and I'm from Alaska. So I was born and raised in Alaska, which is the Northwest Pacific, uh, well, U.S. state. Um, it's a lot of people think of Canada when they think of Alaska um, because it is way up there. You know, it's not it's not continental U.S. It's actually there are two states that are separated uh, by water and land, and that is well, the 49th state, Alaska, and the 50th state, Hawaii. The rest of it's all continental, right? It's it's connected. Uh, it's the 48. We call them the lower 48, When, in, but that's an Alaskan term. So, yeah, man, I, you know, I come up from um pretty diverse bloodline. Like, I think like a lot of Americans do, like we're Americans, but we're all from other places, a lot like Australia, actually. And so I have some Latino blood. I'm My mom's Puerto Rican and my dad's Italian. Uh so my mom was born on the island of Puerto Rico. My dad was actually born in Springfield, Massachusetts, but he's the first generation to be born in the U.S. Um, so, yeah, man, I grew up in Alaska, um, you know, and uh, really love that place, really connected to nature, you know, um, really isolated in many ways. And uh, you, you can't take a car for my city anywhere, actually. Uh, so you have to get on a boat or a plane. And I think because of that, there is like a a humbleness and humility of living up there, especially with the elements. When you include the elements, it's not an easy place to live. However, because of the isolation, the people are all really loyal to each other, kind, respectful. Um, but yeah, man, I, like I'm living in Bangkok now and it's so radically different, you know, right now it's uh, in Celsius about negative two degrees. Um, or it was yesterday when I was talking to my uncle negative two degrees um, <laughs> in Juneau, Alaska. So that's uh, really cold. And, you know, Alaska is a very strange place because it's so far north that you have these massive swings in light. And, uh, well, you know, the four seasons are pretty radicalized. And actually, a lot of people would say we have two seasons, winter and spring. Um, but, you know, anyways, it's a wonderful place to grow up. You know, we didn't have big city life. We didn't have water parks. That's for sure. We didn't even really have, you know, we had a traveling carnival like once every five years. It was so rare. Um, but ev but everybody basically in that city, you know, we, we, we aren't connected to big city life. So it's all outdoorsy, right? Um, and it could be sports, which connects us to big cities. There's a lot of sports there, right? A lot of investment into sports. Um, but there's also like um, a lot of hunting and fishing. So you grow up around this type of community that is in some way self-reliant and that they get out and get dirty and they harvest their own food. And even if you're not one of them, you 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 have friends and family that are. So, you, you know, we experience eating reindeer, moose, deer, um, a lot of seafood like halibut and salmon and crab and et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah. So you grow up, I think that shaped my life because I had to have an imagination, you know, you're stuck in the dark winters and, uh, and it's fun, but you're always hearing about these big cities and these other countries and how warm they are. And, you know, and you, so I think a lot of Alaskans, well, I'll speak for myself are daydreamers, right? We're daydreamers and we're always trying to imagine another place. And I think that's the catalyst for what comes after. So <clears throat> Uh, afterwards, so I'll try not to take too long, but afterwards I, I, I had this desire to get the heck out of there, you know, cause it's so remote. Um, and the, the world is so big and I knew I wasn't experiencing it. 
Um, I should say really quick that I did live in Puerto Rico at the age of five and I have memories of it and I spent a lot of time in Puerto Rico. So if you think of the two, the radicalness between the two different, well, cultures, weather, right? Um, I think that was also one of the seeds that drove me towards adventure eventually. Uh, so with that being said, you know, um, I, I, Moved around the U.S. I lived in Florida uh, for, I think, about six months. I lived in Colorado and Montana, both together combined for about six months. And that was more of a like a a ski a ski bum journey, you know. So I grew up snowboarding and skateboarding and also playing Amer like American sports like basketball and football. But snowboarding and skateboarding were my primary expressive um, forms of activity. Um so I did a couple, yeah, I moved around the U.S. a little bit. Part of it was to experience new mountains, new uh, snowboarding, et cetera. But that further fueled my desire to travel. And that's why I'm here in Thailand. It's like I started moving around the United States and it's one country, but it's so different, you know, on the eastern seaboard that, and in the south as it is in the mountain states like Colorado and Montana. And then you have the West Coast. And then you have all the Spanish uh, states in between the West Coast and the Rocky Mountains. And so it's really opened my eyes just within the United States of the the, the vast array of uh, human differences, um, cultures, foods, musics, beliefs, uh, well, in the United States. And then eventually I started traveling outside. So, uh, and I went to Europe, we spent time. I'm from, my dad's Italian. So I went to Italy, I went to Spain and England. And then after that, I worked more. And then I moved down to Colombia where I met you, started teaching. That's where I began teaching. So I am a teacher, an international teacher right now. Spent two years in Colombia. And then I taught in Las Vegas for about six months. And then I needed to continue to travel and teach. That's when I moved to China. And now I'm here in Thailand. So that's kind of me in a nutshell. Um, I love to read. I love to write. I have a guitar right here. I love music. And um, I'm a father now. My son's two years and eight months. And I'm married to a Thai citizen. And yeah, that's me, man. And teaching. Right now I'm on holiday. Thank God for uh, Christmas time of year and New Year's. <laughs> yeah, that was in good chronological order too. That was nice. Um, let me ask you about Alaska, because I have spoken to you a bit about it before, but you mentioned the isolation of Alaska. Um, how do people, you said a lot of people are daydreamers, a lot of people have the desire to to leave. Do a lot of people also um, are content there with their family? Or what what is it like? Do people stay there forever? And, uh, and then I guess the people become long-term travelers like yourself. That's a good question. And, you know, there is a percentage of people that just stay there because, um, and a lot of people leave too, you know, we have a stagnant population. We have a, there's always new people moving in and there's always people leaving, but there are, there is a percentage like noteworthy percentage that stay in Alaska, man, because it is safe. You are shielded from a lot of like the, well, U.S. issues, you know, the the, the country issues, um, you will never, it's a rain, rainforest where I come from, temperate rainforest, so you'll never run out of fresh water. Um, and there's so many foodstuffs, you know, including berries, like in the spring. And so I think people really enjoy that peacefulness, that tranquility. And um, 
So some of them stay, some of them stay, but it is pretty gnarly in the winter time. So as you get older, a lot of people that retire will move elsewhere. You know, they'll either move down to Washington, Oregon, California. Sometimes they'll go, my aunt went to Texas. Some people go to Florida and yeah, I think people just try to escape the cold. But I think once you live in Juneau for a certain period of time, at least one, I'd say, let's say two years, I think that there's always a place in your heart for that. And I think everybody feels that way. So you also get a lot of young people that leave and they leave for 10 years. They go off to university, they start lives and careers, and then you see them coming back and they come back to the uh, Alaska to reestablish and, you know, utilize what they learned and try to improve the city or, you know, at least make a good living there. So yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a, a transient place to an extent, but there, I mean, there are many reasons to, to spend the rest of your life there. Uh, I mean, the seafood is unbelievable. The scenery nature is unbelievable. And I live in Bangkok now, man. So I am really missing the the nature you know a lot of parts of alaska all you have to do is step into your backyard and you're actually in the wild like right behind your house and i think that's true for about 75 percent of the residents and then there's some developments you know where you only have to walk about 10 minutes and you're in absolute nature so i think i i miss that big time i miss that because i'm in a concrete jungle that has like not enough green space for the size and its population um, and you always have to drive to get to it. So, uh, yeah, man, it's a wonderful place. I think that everybody that would visit it would love it to pieces. Some people like that cold weather, right? Um, you can experiment with fashion, right? Whereas in Bangkok, it's not so easy or in a hot climate, it's not so easy to experiment with fashion. There's only a couple things you wear. Um, whereas when you have the seasons and the extremes, you know, you start rocking like Sorel boots and like, you know, girls, you know, girls, some of our females, they wear a, a lot of uh, like, uh, what are those rain boots called? I'm forgetting right now, but they're a big rain boot company. There's the brown ones with the like the light tan or yellow lining rims at the top, but they're brown. I'm forgetting the name of them. Hopefully it comes back to me, but they rock them in like a fashionable way. So it's it's quite cute. And it's also a, a very Alaskan. Yeah, for sure. Rubber boots, buddy. Yeah, that's awesome. What about um, the, 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 this connection with nature? Do a lot of people actually hunt food? Uh, yes, they do. So those boots are called extra toughs. I don't know if you ever heard of them. I think it's an Alaska thing, but extra toughs. I just had to get that out there. Yeah, you know, not as many people hunt as you would, uh, one may assume, uh, with the abundance of wildlife, you know, there. And it's actually surprising. Not a lot of people fish too. Like when you think of uh, the population, right? Like I, I guess the percentage of the population, uh, because we are connected enough to the point where we have Costco's, we have big box stores. We've even had Walmarts and Kmart's and Fred Meyer's and Safeways and Kroger, you know, just a bunch of different uh, grocery stores um, where you can get everything you need. Realistically, you can get everything you need to have that Western diet. And, you know, getting out there in the elements is tough for a lot of people. I mean, it's usually wet, slightly uncomfortable, unless you got the right gear. Um, I think everybody tries fishing. But yeah, you know, I would think that Alaska, like Juneau, where I'm from, has less hunting than a lot of places in the U.S., even the main states, like 
like anywhere like in Eastern Washington or like Montana or like the mountain States, you know, there's a lot of hunting going on there. It's a pretty regular thing for kids to like learn how to shoot a rifle in Juno. It's not so much the same. Um, I would say like maybe 10 to 20% maximum. I would say almost just from my own memory and thinking about it, I'd say about 10% hunt, you know, that's it. Um, the rest of us just ride the coattails and get the free eats, you know? Yeah. Why would we go hunt, hunt into the deep mountains where there's bears and dew and it's cold and wet and your feet, you know, just, you can get sick easy in a rainforest like that. And so a lot of us just would rather not do that. And we just enjoy the reapings of others. So there's fishing is very common. There's a higher amount of, of maybe farmers and hunters that provide and can go and catch food for the village, for, for the city, not the village. Yeah. Yeah. I would say so. Absolutely. That's pretty wild. And what's one thing, b- before I let you go about this, this Juno business, what's one thing that you hated about Alaska? Oh, it was oh, found really man. difficult. I would say, well, I think most of us would agree is the dark, wet, cold winters. Um, because it's, we get snow. In fact, it's very white and snowy right now there. But I have many memories of January, March. It is just dark really early and it's all concrete and um, evergreen trees, no snow on them. So it's like it feels pitch black uh, after 3 p.m., 4 p.m. And when you don't have the snow, it's just even darker. And it's just wet. You just get sick a lot. Your shoes mildew, mold out. Uh, and they start to stink really quick uh, because it's just rain in the winter. And I think that's worse. I think that's worse than like really cold, snowy places because at least really cold, snowy places are dry. Um, It's a dry cold. Ours is a flu and cold uh, manufacturing cold, (laughs) you know, (laughs) temperature, like it's just wet the environment. So I think that would mostly be, it was just the, 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 the gnarly change in the winters going into the winter. Uh, Otherwise, to be honest, and I guess maybe the disconnect from the rest of the world, how difficult it is to actually get to the main part of the United States, right. Um, To the cities, the ones that you see in the movies, the ones that are in the books, you know, that's such a remote uh, idea to us like wow there's you know where and we realize our isolation i think the isolation and the weather are the two things that i really did not like um about alaska but again they're even in the winter and that misery sometimes you get the northern lights throughout the winter and i mean those things are awe-inspiring so there are things amidst that darkness that really Tell like convince you, okay, this is why we're here. This is why we live here. Right. This is why we endure this this type of nature is because it gives us something that you can't find elsewhere. Yeah. What well, sounds like I shouldn't be complaining about Bogota climate because <laughs> that yeah, no, right not. <laughs> yeah, because uh, Alaska sounds like um, yeah, it just sounds like a, a a bit of a tough place to live when it's when it's cold, right? And and a proper it's and not only tough but also dangerous, you know, where there's there's a lot of adversary there in nature and I think we sometimes forget how cruel nature can be and how harsh and how uncaring because, you know, a storm or a, a snowstorm can just basically swallow you up 
and and just keep moving forward like a bushfire, just like an Australian bushfire. Uh, and then that's not easy to to live with, you know. But um, you know, I noticed when you were talking, there's a there's a strong connection there between what I experienced and what you experienced was probably growing up in somewhere that felt like you were, you know, you were and I was quite isolated. And also this, you know, having this desire to to want to break out of that and 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 get to see the rest of the world and experience um everything basically you know like like you said watching tv you know hearing about different cultures and communities and and uh my family as well is from europe uh my parents are basically immigrants from malta you know and having that connection and wanting to to go and see them and wanting to to experience that and, and i didn't i didn't go there until i was 18 um but I think there is a little bit of danger in that too, is that, you know, if, if, if you're isolated for so long and all of a sudden you find yourself in the middle of the city, uh, there's a lot of, uh, temptation and, and there's a lot of things to try if you haven't had a lot of, um, guidance about what to, what to look out for, right? You can, if you come from a good village or, you know, like we did, like a rural, um, rural community and you're isolated and then there's all this, flashing lights and all these things that you can end up in the, the Las Vegas and it's easy to get yourself caught in a bit of trouble. So, but I, I definitely feel that connection there with the, the isolation. You guys are closer to Russia, right? Than you are to like way closer to Russia than to the United, the mainland of the United States, right? Uh, Not, not where I'm from. Uh, Alaska's huge. It's a very, very, very big place, but yes, the you could argue that the state of Alaska is definitely closer, much closer to Russia uh, than the United States, uh, because the 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 what's the name of the peninsula? The Kenai, the Kenai. I think it's the no, it's not the Kenai. Anyways, it's it's the big peninsula um, that faces Russia, and you know it's only like a hundred, or I think it's less than a hundred meters, kilometers, kilometers. It's less than a hundred kilometers from Russia. And yeah, uh, yeah so, but Alaska is so huge. So if you're talking about my city, Southeast Alaska, which is that Tongass National Rainforest, no, we're close to, we're, we're about 800, 900 miles from Seattle, Washington. Ah, that's because Alaska seems to go down. There's the, the map of Alaska. I didn't realize there's this jutted out part at the bottom. Yeah, it's called the Alaskan Panhandle. Right. And, uh, I didn't realize that and, that was there. Yeah, so it's all like, it's very similar to British Columbia, um, northern British Columbia. So we got all the mountains and the glaciers. And I mean, that's stuff that I loved living there. You know, I've witnessed receding glaciers my whole life. I mean, it was, the glacier was literally a one kilometer from my house. <laughs> you just go wow. there and, you know, as kids, we'd go out there and, well, break the rules, you know, smoke a little, drink a little. Uh, but it was just right there. You know, it was right there. And you can see it when you're driving home. It's this massive monolithic ice chunk in between these gorgeous, picturesque, fantastic mountains that are like sawtoothed and, oh man, just amazing. But you cannot avoid that glacier. It's just in your face all the time, your whole life. Yeah, and it's just, it's deceptive deceptive deceptively quite large man because i'm looking at alaska compared to australia and like it's probably two-thirds the size of australia if not a bit more the state yeah 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 the state of alaska it's quite it's 
pretty chunky. It is very chunky. And I think since we're talking about that, it's important to, to say that the population of all of Alaska is under a million people. You know, so they're concentrated in three major cities. Well, I'd say two. Anchorage is the big city. They got about three to four hundred thousand people. Then Fairbanks up north, where you get, where it gets negative twenty five. You know, it's it's cold up there. Is the second largest city at about a hundred thousand people. And then my city is the third largest city in the entire state, and it's only thirty three thousand people. So the rest of them are just you know peppered throughout this massive landscape. So there's a lot of nature that's really untouched that just goes, you know, it's overlooked, it's untouched. You just can't fill it out. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah, that's incredible. I would definitely like to go there. I, I would like to go to the United States and I've been through the airport, but it doesn't really count. I'd like to, if I was going to travel around the United States, I would get a motorbike and do it by bike or car, van, um, but Alaska, I think you would need to be a bit more prepared and and have to know where to go and how to do it. Otherwise, you'd probably end up freezing freezing to yeah. death. Absolutely. It's happened to many before. Really? Oh, yeah. Well, there's the famous book, Into the Wild. But no, it it happens to a lot of homesteaders. I, wouldn't, I shouldn't say a lot because that makes it seem like it's above 50%. But I don't know. It could be, man, especially earlier on, you know. Um, there are technologies today that can help assist you in that that type of a drastic change in your life. But man, the weather controls everything up there. And if you're waiting for a float plane with supplies and the weather's wrong, you are not getting those supplies at all. We have more um, airplane aircraft uh, crashes and deaths in the state of Alaska, and I think it's more than the entire United States combined. I'm almost certain, but I'll do some research. I guess I should have. I didn't know we we're going to be talking about this, but uh, yeah, man, because it's so gnarly. So there's a lot of places that you need float planes or just uh, you know Cessna uh, small craft airplanes to get to places. Okay, so and then the winds are gnarly. It's so big, and the, the weather is just insane up there, and so. Yeah, we, you know, so many pilots die every year. Um, wild. I get, yeah, yeah, it is wild, but they at least they're dying in like absolute beauty, you know, <laughs> <laughs> to, to try to look at the bright side. There is this vulnerability and interdependence on nature that most people don't have. And like you said, you're, you're totally uh, integrated, immersed in it. Whereas you live in a, I use that term as well, concrete jungle, because Bogota is the same. It's just, it's just concrete and, plastic and and glass um and yeah you you feel like you're totally separated from a tree right yeah and where i grew up it was five acres of land and literally across the road from my house was bush you know and and a dam and uh, you know a lake and a river and yeah it's really interesting but um yeah should we talk about the the podcast should we talk about um why are you here on an you know 8 39 a.m in Bangkok, Thailand, you know, it's willing to dedicate your time to this adventure or this little venture. Um, you know, why are you here? And, and, you know, I guess, you know, what are we hoping to achieve? What do we want to do? Why do you think it's like, it's valuable? And, and I guess, why do you, why are you willing to give up your time to be a part of this? Right. Cause that's something that, um, that's a sacrifice and it's, it's also a cool thing to do. Yeah. That's, um, that 
that's a great uh i think we should have this discussion and i you know well podcasting is like a new it's a new medium of conversation a lot of it's conversational uh there's you know several main types of podcasting but i think most people are familiar with podcasts but i think they allow they provide a platform for uh a wide array of conversations to take place because it's more niche oriented rather than like radio. So like, I guess this would be the descendant or the successor of the radio. Um, and the, one of the problems, I shouldn't say problems. I enjoy radio to today, but one of the issues with radio is that you had to speak to a broader audience. Uh, which is a good thing too, but you had like a limited time space. So you couldn't really have in-depth conversations because you had to get all this fit into your one little time slot once a week or once per day, if you were that successful. Uh, podcasts allow for people of all walks of life to uh, have like more unrestricted, in-depth conversations about whatever they really would like to, you know? Uh, so I think that that's why that's one of the things I really find attractive about the podcast. It's an on-demand service. So people can just find what they like. They don't have to, you know, like a radio, you're going to have to listen to what other people like too, you know, just because that's part of it. And, uh, but the podcast allows for people to really hone into their personal interests, their, 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 uh, curiosities, um, and maybe, um, you know, uh, find, uh, enriching content and it's just out there so that's why i think the podcast uh, platform is a really amazing um you know evolution of media in the u.s uh well sorry in the whole world i guess i should say it did start in the u.s with apple pods ipods and podcasting all began back then but it is a global phenomenon and everybody all around the world most people enjoy a podcast or two so I think that is the main reason. Another reason is because I I just, I'm a teacher like yourself and I see, well, first of all, being teachers, we have to constantly be learning, right? That's just part of being a teacher. And also we're international teachers. So we've gone around the world, um, well, to a variety of places, various different countries and taught. And in that process, we were forced to learn about new cultures, to you know, experience new weather, experience new customs, traditions, uh, religions, you know. Um, but one thing I notice is that no matter where I go, the human condition is still very similar. It's, you know, we're, we're struggling. Um, and I don't mean that in a negative way necessarily, but we're struggling. We have the same struggles, right? People want love. It's the human experience, right? Everybody's got problems and everybody's trying to solve those problems and live happily. And I just have, and I, I, I should say I have a minor degree in anthropology and <clears throat> being Puerto Rican and Italian growing up in Alaska, you know, there's a really like, a, I wouldn't say confusion, but curiosity about this world. And so I think podcasting is a great platform for discussing the human experience, right? Like just, it's just, like I said, you can choose your own path. It's a very niche oriented uh, media platform. And um, the people that want to listen will, and the people that don't, won't. And that's totally fine. It's freedom of choice. Um, but it also gives me the ability to have a conversation with, say, you and hopefully others in the future 
about these experiences that we're witnessing, you know, and, and we're living in a really, really uh, different time than when you and I were boys, uh, young boys, bro, this, this, you know, this is a whole different world now that we're living in. And when the world changes and evolves in such a rapid pace as it has recently in the last 30, 40 years, um, uh, well, a, a lot of new problems arise. And I, found, I, I believe that you and I and others can have discussions to try to understand these new problems that are arising. Um, you know, speaking and discussion is therapy, right? So in a sense, I'm doing this therapeutically so that I grow, so that I so that I can have conversations with other people that can validate what I'm feeling, you know? And even if it's invalidating, at least that gives me an orientation of, okay, and I can check myself. So I feel like the podcasting, if, if you know, this, this project will be beneficial for my spirit, my mind, um, and I believe a lot of people out there like you and I are aware of these changes in the problems that are arising, but there's no, there's not a lot of narrative about these new modern problems. There, there just isn't mainstream media and mainstream entertainment. Well, they're following the same exact, you know, template they've been using since before all this begun. Right. And it's all about a shock and awe and like, you know, I don't want to start criticizing media, but I'll just say the template is the same. And in changing times, we need new templates and podcasts allow for new uh, platforms for discussion and ideas. Um, yeah. So I think that's the main reason. Uh, I also want to become a better listener, a better speaker, and a better thinker. And I love other people's views and opinions. That's, I've, you know, that's how I, we grow as humans is by being exposed to other people's opinions, um, comparing them to your own and uh, hopefully learning from them. Cause I think everybody has something really important to say. So I think that is, yeah. Uh, the main reason why I am interested in the podcasting, I can go more into it maybe later, but there's also the creativity aspect, right. Of, um, of, well, any type of media, right? Podcasting, radio, there's the create creative side. And as a musician and a writer and a reader, I think I really have a creative side. And so this allows us to kind of experiment with that stuff, you know? So it, uh, if, if, if we take it serious enough, or if we enjoy it enough, the craft will come and it becomes more like a, a crafting of literature or of essays or of poetry. So it becomes more artistic and craftful. So I think that's about it. Um, yeah. Yeah, what man. About that's you. That's what what that. do you, what do you, you would, why, why are you up for podcasting? Why are you here right now at 8 46 PM cold <laughs> Bogota time? <laughs> I mean, you know, I'll, I'll be honest real quick for everyone. Steven is the one that got me into this. He's had this dr dream or I don't know if I should call it a dream for a long time. And uh, he's reeled me in. But now I want to know, yeah, man, tell me why. Tell me your story, your your perspective on podcasting. Yeah, man. I'm a, yeah, thanks. And I'm happy to. Uh, I think there's a lot of power in discussion, as you touched on. And, you know, conversation, discussion, ideas. Uh, I also agree with the idea that we seem to be going through a, a cultural revolution in lots of ways, right? This complete um, destruction or rejection of what has been tradition and culture 
And uh, there's a lot of things that are happening at the moment with um, with consciousness, you know, with and all of these dis- different disciplines seem to be embedded in that, you know, whether it's psychology or anthropology or whatever, astrology, maybe even, um, you know, there's there's just so much new, so many new ideas and things happening. It's it's really cool to um, to think about what's happening and why. But even more simply, it's it's cool just to talk about the human condition, right? And to think about, okay, why are we like this? Why do we do the, the kind of crazy stuff that we do? Why do I have this urge, you know, to to leave Australia and travel around the world? And why did you have an urge to leave Alaska and and exp- and ex- ex- really um, experiment and explore and discover, right? And the, the human condition is such an awesome thing too, and. And even understanding a bit of that, like just starting to as adults, you know, looking at life through biology and, you know, through our biology and evolutionary biology and through psychology and sociology, all of that stuff, you know, historically, there's, there's just so much stuff there to unpack about why we do what we do. It's just really cool. And, you know, it's for me as well, to be honest, to be really, like really deep down honest, is that there's a part of me that wishes you know, I'm 40 years old, uh, you know, roughly the same age as you, John. And we grew up in a time where information was very, if it was coveted, it was valuable. And it was sometimes, or usually difficult to obtain. And it, it took a lot of time and investment to kind of just, you know, be able to find the right book or listen to the right kind of CDs, because there was no podcasts, right? There was no internet. When, when I was 15, 16, or 17, right? The internet was like a thing when I was 18. And then it just kind of started. So it was pretty fresh in lots of ways. So I wish that in a way that I had access to this when I was, you know, 16 years old or 18 years old to um, be able to share those ideas and, and you know, to maybe help, well, inspire people and get people thinking and and just, you know, just play with ideas because, you know, we did not have access to that. So um, I think that's a really a huge, powerful tool that the young generation has that we didn't have. So all you lucky young people out there capitalize on all the, on all the free podcasts, right? Because, and it's ultimately it's free, right? There's a lot of great content out there and it's, and it's free. So I love the ideas. I love discussion. And I think you touched on as well. It's always like a learning experience. You know, you know, like you, you always learn when you have conversation about you or you get another perspective and I've learned not to say no. I've learned to say, okay, I don't either, I don't know, or I want to think about that and you know, teach me, show me, give me a different perspective. Right. And, and I mean, that's a powerful thing. And discussion does that, you know, and, it would be great if we could have other people on the show and talk to people and um, interview people as uh, as a show. Uh, but really, it's I guess it's a process of exploration and discovery with ideally as well. Maybe we can build some podcasts that are um, informative, edu- uh, educational, and you know they're, they're kind of based on uh, some either science or reason, evidence, papers, books, and we can we can really offer that to the listener too because sometimes a lot of times it's it's fun and ideas and opinion uh and which is great and then maybe we can kind of balance it out with some stuff that's um 
yeah, some academic research so we can give out some, you know, we're giving out information that's that's kind of like sourced and verified, credible, all of that kind of stuff. But really, man, it's just it's just ideas, right? Ideas through conversation. And that's that's fun when you're in a man or a woman uh, that likes to talk about life. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I I like the point that you made about like it is an educational platform. We are allowed to actually search out specific topics uh, that we are interested in. And oftentimes you find a lot of educational content. Sometimes it's opinion based, but to be honest, in the human condition, we need opinions too, right? Like I hate to say it, but opinions are like assholes and everyone's got one. And so it's really part of who we are, right? Uh, our opinions. And I think that opinions should still uh, be embraced. Uh, like, you know what I mean? I think that that's how humans grow is by hearing other people's opinions. And even though it's not their own, accepting it and maybe sitting in wonder and reflection, why is to people hold those opinions, you know? So I think that's very valuable, but at the same time, there's got to be a balance of like, uh, well, research and statistics and facts, right? We need some facts to like back up our arguments. And I think that's another important part of the podcast is me learning how to support my opinions with a uh, different type of, um, you know, uh, I guess scientific proven facts, et cetera. And, uh, um, so yeah, I think it's a very educational thing, you know, and I also think of our podcasting and this, this, this goal of ours, this, um, activity, you know, this as like a hobby, you know, I think that people, we get older and we just, we're doing the daily grind, right? We go to work, we, and then, and then the new thing is we have our family and now we've got like these two major things that are consuming our lives in a good way, um, consuming our lives. But I feel like there's always that desire to have another hobby or something a hobby that is kind of removed from family and work life and i think that that's why we get tinkers you know mechanics um a lot of people go hunting trapping you know they find ways to kind of be outside of the i don't want to use the word mundane when i'm talking about family because it's it's not quite that uh but like work right the mun mundane part of work and we just got to get away from all those controls and constrictions and so people find hobbies and i think that's what you and i are doing our hobby you know we read and write as well so like but this is i think our new hobby it's the way we tinker in the garage to get away from well you know the norms of society and uh you know fatherhood life uh you know etc so i think it's <laughs> Yeah. I, I, yeah. And it's educational and you, and people are lucky, man, this generation, because to get information like this, when Steven and I were young or any time prior to that in history, you'd have to go to like speeches at universities, right? Like they were done in libraries. Uh, thank God in the United States, we have a great library system, um, which is a very democratic thing. I think it's wonderful especially in Thailand, we don't have libraries really. So that's like, what? How can a society thrive without a library? So at least we had libraries. But to hear discussions, right? And live real-time discussions feeds, you had to go to the assembly hall. You had to go to the library. You had to go to the university. You had to go buy tickets sometimes for big speakers. And that was really it. Um, now you can do it from your device. 
you can do it at home. You can do it anywhere when you're driving, you know, you can actually learn stuff on your way to work, you know, and I think it's really wonderful. When I was in Colombia, there was one called, uh, cafecito, cafe, Espanol cafe. Sorry guys. Copy Spanish. Anyways, this was a podcast that taught you how to speak Spanish. And it is so awesome because it's just a conversational discussion and it starts basic and it, yeah, and it, you know, it gets more and more um, um, in depth and more grammatical as time goes on. And essentially it's meant to teach people how to speak Spanish in a fun and entertaining way on their way to work or while they're cleaning their house. So yeah, I think the podcast is awesome, man. Like it's a, one of the great innovations of this radically shifting time of ours. Yeah. Very powerful. And imagine too, like to add to that and trying to procure that information, it might be if you're 20 years old, like going up to the older guy in the pub or having a, you know, your brother's mate's older brother, and, you know, finding mentors or people that are older that had more life experience and you sharing their reflections and, and wisdom and, it's kind of really hard to to tap into that because people are busy and not everyone's willing to share it. And, you know, you might be um, asking the wrong questions or people have got different insights. It's just really hard to ascertain how, you know, or, or to, to elicit those ideas. Uh, whereas in a podcast, you can try to find out and learn about anything, which is, is super powerful. Right. Um, and I think another point that you touched on too, which was great, uh, which is opinions ideas uh and I th we are living in it with a time where everybody can post online everybody has got an opinion everybody's wants to say something and i think as long as you understand that you, you got to categorize it first as entertainment right it might be stimulating you from an educational point of view or it might be stimulating you from uh, a philosophical point of view but it's just it's entertainment, ideally. It's 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 fun. It should be fun, even if it's stuff you don't agree with. As you mentioned, you don't have to lose your shit. Um, and then you can you can take it or leave it, and understand that everybody has got inherent bias. It's the human condition that we we all believe in something. You know, whatever it is, we all pick our our foundational beliefs, and that that's how we look at the world once we decide those things right we we see the world through those things whether you're a christian or a muslim or an atheist or a philosopher or a historian you know psychologist you know botanist it doesn't matter artist you know we all have that um ultimately that bias and i think if you understand that as a person you have a bit more empathy for for people right and to to understand okay it's entertainment people have bias people are flawed and that's okay. That's okay. Right. That's totally okay. And I, I think that's the beauty of podcasting is that, you know, you can, you can be privy to that information and, and be led into that world, you know, as long as you don't take it too seriously, it's not the Holy grail. Um, and I think Jordan Peterson, mm, I don't know, might be one example of that. People get really worked up about him. Ultimately, he's just got an opinion. Joe, Joe Rogan is another guy just got an opinion, having conversations. Uh, but, you know, not to, to drop names, uh, but I think if our podcast is, you know, if anyone's listening to this and they 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 want to keep in mind, I think, listening to podcasts overall, I think if, if you do keep that in mind, I think it gives you great perspective that, um, you know, just, just take what benefits you 
and leave the rest, you know, and, and just enjoy it. You know, that's ultimately what it's about. Yeah, absolutely. And I do feel like you're right. Uh, you, You mentioned that everybody has this ability to post and everybody wants to be heard and this and that. Um, and I feel like part of that can be good. Um, but I feel like because of that, uh, we've also lost We're I shouldn't say lost, but we're in this situation where we're actually losing our ability to be open-minded to the perspectives of others, right? We're becoming more combative and defensive in, in what people say. And I don't think, I think the podcast hopefully is here to rescue us from that, right? Like, because it's, you know, like Stephen said, there's a lot of opinions out there and people have really strong opinions. But if you go in there with like a open mind, you know that you don't have to believe it and not, and also that not everyone's going to start believing it because it's there. You know, you can just take what you want. You can learn something and say, okay, I agree with that. I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. Ah, oh, this is not too bad. I like this. And in that process, we're learning patience, acceptance, and also we're growing a little bit. And then I think that if we listen without a lot of emotion, um, just, you know, open-mindedness, we begin to grow. Um, even if it, you disagree with everything that's in the podcast or a discussion or a person's speech on the side of the road, your ability to be accepting towards them and just to hear them out, give them, you know, time um, and hear them out is very powerful for the individual, for self-control, um, to know that our own ideas are not everybody else's, you know, and that's the beauty of humanity is the diversity. So I think that that's, you know, uh, I th- I'm hoping that's what the podcast can help us with in this transition in our societies, global societies, is how to like, you know, accept the opinions and ideas of others and to know that we can either take them and leave them. We don't have to feel affected by them. There's a plethora of podcasts of different perspectives. So you can just find yours where you're comfortable and, you know, play around in that area. You don't need to go down to the the part of the neighborhood that you don't really feel safe. You can stay in the, you know, your own neck of the woods, so to speak. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, challenges. So, you know, I think that you and I really want to get into this. I think this is a fun way for us to kind of like build a new part of our lives, you know, fun, entertaining, and also educational um, and creative. And, you know, there's going to be challenges. There's definitely going to be challenges. Um, What kind of, have you thought about that? Like what kind of challenges do you foresee with creating something like a podcast? Yeah. I think the hardest thing with any kind of, even a a hobby or a part-time venture is, is uh, consistency, right? Is, is producing content and, and uh, being dedicated to, to it, to constantly be uh, committed to it. And that's hard. You know, it's hard when you have other responsibilities. Uh, I think that's a challenge. Uh, And I think, I think doing the research might be a challenge as well because, you know, we're both teachers and we have a lot of uh, responsibility and we're always learning something, doing something. And it's just, it's hard to, you know, there, I was talking to another teacher today and I'm like, what do you do? How do you, how did you get your level up to, you know, all this content? And he basically said, there's, there's no shortcuts. You know, there's, there's no, it's like going to the gym. You have to put in the work, put in the time, do the reps and then over time you grow. And that's as simple as that. So that's a challenge as well, man. But um, 
I think like anything, if, if, if you want to be successful at something, I think it's got to come from a place where it's actually meaningful to you. And I'd say that about any uh, venture or any kind of activity, passion, uh, because if you're doing it, if you're doing it for validation or if you're doing it because you want money, uh, it does work to a degree. But I think, you know, it's the story that we tell ourselves about what it, why it matters to us that helps us push through when it's when things are difficult, right? I'm doing this because this is the meaning it gives to me and this is the meaning that it provides to other people. And that's a real powerful trick for people to keep in mind when they're opening up a business or starting a podcast or uh, trying to be successful or changing their career or or whatever they're trying to do, go to the gym and get fit. Um, so I think that's, that's um, the way, I guess, to combat that. But how about you, man? What do you feel like is the is the challenge, or what what is it that you'd like to accomplish that you think would be difficult? Um, yeah, thank you for that. So I I agree with a lot of what you said. It's like the production of content, right? Like, um, well, like anything, teaching, writing, playing guitar, wakeboarding, snowboarding, <laughs> like anything, there's always room for improvement, right? There's that's the ultimate goal. That's why we do it is because it's an endless cycle of learning and improvement. And it's quite wonderful. But, you know, uh, oftentimes, I, I think from what I know, uh, people get started and they just kind of run out of content. They don't know what else to talk about. And so, you know, I wouldn't say I'm I wouldn't want to say I'm worried about that because I'm not. But that is a concern. Like, how do we produce enough content that is enjoyable, entertaining, you know, uh, effective, like at least, you know, in a good manner, in a in a nice form that is hospitable to the listener um, and that is inspiring to the listener? You know, I, I you know, I, I, I think that that is a challenge is producing an abundance of content because it is kind of like a. Uh, I, I don't want to say like, I don't want to like confuse the audience but it's like a it's like a show right and the show if you know has to continue to produce weekly um or else it gets shut down and uh not that you know this is the beauty of podcasts it's not like we could actually ever be shut down even if we release a lot of junk uh i think that they can't really shut you down yet you know but but anyways uh yeah content also like determining our audience like i i still am not exactly sure of the audience that i or we are um wanting to reach i think we have a general idea uh i think uh we can come back to that but so scheduling time with you because uh you and i are 12 hours apart <laughs> but thank god for technology look at us we're, we're halfway around the world on two different continents um, you know, 12 hours apart, my morning time is always his evening time and vice versa. So that's going to be a challenge, especially when we want to produce content regularly. Um, discussion skills. Sometimes, uh, I feel that's a challenge for me. Um, I want to get better at discussion, questioning, listening, speaking, but at times I can run tangents. Uh, I do have a creative mind so I can go down avenues that maybe take me away from the actual topic. And then, uh, yeah, that's basically it is like content, scheduling, producing, uh, being able to ask the right questions, um, to be, you know, 
to be able to control my speech and also to know my audience. So I think those are the greatest challenges I see facing this project. Yeah. And podcasting is definitely an art too. It's, 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 you know, trying to either talk about the right stuff that's meaningful to you and meaningful to the audience. It's also about, like you said, connecting and discussion and having good conversations. That's meaningful uh, being, being a good listener. You know, I, I think it's, it's more about the audience than about the podcasters, to be honest. Um, and that's something that, you know, I feel that, that, you know, you, you're very aware of it's, um, it's definitely an art and craft, you know, and it's, it's fun. And I think it'd, it'd be really cool to get really good at it and, um, you know, be, to get really good at it and to be, um, to be inspiring, I guess be inspiring to be impactful to the listener and be articulate. That'd be cool. But John, we still have time to get canceled. Don't worry. We could still get canceled <laughs> at any time. So be careful. That's right. I'll watch my words. <laughs> we are living in cancel culture. Uh, but yeah, you know, that's, and that's a phenomenon, phenomenon, phenomenon worth talking about. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 it should be all of that stuff um, besides the canceling and it should be fun, you know, ultimately. So yeah, you know, it's, it's there's lots of stuff to uh, to improve on, but I guess you know over time the the listener will dictate what they like and what they don't like, really. And that's the beauty of the podcast, right? That's why I'm so excited about being a part of this, is because we're not trying to put things in people's faces, you know, like that's not our end goal. That's I think that a lot of podcasters it's not really their end goal. They're just giving people an avenue for, for a specific uh, discussion or content or genre or, you know, whatever of, um, of entertainment and also education. So I think that's, um, <laughs> yeah, it's so key. And so I guess that's like, I have one last question to ask you is like, and I'm, well, this is asking each other i'm asking myself as well uh what are we hoping to achieve right um it seems to me that we think that audience is really important um because you said like a, a lot of well writing and podcasting and creative stuff is actually for the audience in many ways because it is an interaction between the producer or creator and the uh listeners right i mean um you know, and I think that like from Johann Sebastian Bach to William Blake to uh, Guillermo del Toro and Steve or Tim Burton, you know, all these people are aware of their audience and what they're looking for. So, um, yeah, what are we hoping to achieve? Um, I mean, yeah, well, let me, I want to hear from you about that. Yeah, I think it's like ideally we want to inspire people, impact people. Um, well, ultimately it's, it's, it's really critical thinking, right? Critical thought and sharing ideas, right. And then allowing people to, you know, thinking about stuff and then giving people a platform to, to explore those ideas. And maybe they haven't had time to think about those ideas or, uh, they, they, you know, they, they just not involved in those conversations and those conversations, um, that we have benefit people and, and inspire them to, to, to think in a different way or, or to just kind of, uh, follow a train of thought that, that they might not have had time to to explore, right? So it's, it'd be really cool if it was for people like a, a process of discovery. We're discovering ideas and, and they're coming along with us. That'd be super cool. Um, but ideally, it's 
it's just critical thinking, right? It's looking at society. And I would love to to point out to especially young people, men and women, um, you know, not to believe and not to not to trust everything that we see and hear. I think is 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 the is the biggest thing. Understanding that society has its own agenda. You know, there are pushes and pulls and forces uh, that that are that are evident, and just kind of unpacking them and and dissecting them, and then understanding. Okay, there is a big machine of of society there, but also there's like embedded within that is the human condition. You know, and when we get stuff like uh, activism, we get stuff like rebellion. Again, discovery. We get art and music and expression, all of that cool stuff in there as well. So it, it's kind of like I want to kind of unravel the layers and then see what we can see, right? And then using some of those lenses, and um, yeah, and and just see if we can uh, impact people on, on the way. What do you think about that? Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I think that's. I feel the same way. Uh, you use the word inspire multiple times, and I think that's a big part of it uh, for sure. Uh, a goal is to inspire. As teachers, you and I know that that is like one of the most important things uh, is inspiring others. Because if we don't inspire people, there's no reason to actually listen to us, you know? Um, but I, yeah, you know, and I think you mentioned something also, um, but I'm going to get more into it, is like giving opportunities for ideas to be like uh, explored. Uh, I feel like we live in a time where there's a lot of really, really, really important conversations that need to take place, right? Um, between, um, we could say between, well, it could be like politics. It could be like um, gender issues. It could be like uh, masculinity or uh, religious intolerance, right? There's there could be all these things. And I believe that there are a lot of millions of people out there, young men and women, that are actually craving a fresh perspective or to have someone else talk about something they consider to be important. Because if you watch like mainstream, the mainstream media and, and television and stuff and pop music, right? It's all very homogenous, you know? Um, um, excuse me, hom homogenistic. <laughs> yeah, and homogenous, yep. You know, and hegemonial, you know, mm -hmm. if that's a word, uh, hegemonic. You know, it's all very controlled. It's all very narrow from my perspective. And that is really an ultimate goal of mine is just like you to inspire people by pr providing them with content and allow them, them to, well, you know, I think some of the stuff we'll say will validate what many people are thinking, but there isn't really a lot of discussion happening on a lot of extremely important topics. How did the pandemic change uh, that generation, the lost generation? How is how are cell phones affecting our brains? And and you know why isn't anybody talking about that? There's so much research being done that is telling us that while cell phones are probably one of the great inventions and an ultimately a very powerful tool it is also uh man i don't want to use too strong a language but it is also a very dangerous and addictive um tool technology you know and like you know so i i but nobody's talking about that about that and why why aren't we zoning in or focusing on these topics 
um, when it's so obvious that there is a big change happening that we need to be weary of and be careful and step cautiously into this uh, evolution or this revolution of social change or whatever. Um, but yeah, you know, these, these discussions that I think need to be had. So that's really, you know, why I, uh, that's, I guess my goal. That's, that's what I'm hoping to achieve is to communicate with people out there that feel like their voice maybe has not been heard or that they feel like they have something to say, uh, but, but they're scared to say it because nobody else is saying it. Um, and maybe it feels taboo, um, because, you know, the current, uh, the the voice that the the media out there is really narrow and i believe that humans are really diverse really diverse even though we have similar goals right similar emotions similar anatomy biology i feel like here's a really cheesy metaphor but we're snowflakes right there's no one single snowflake that's identical to another uh, because of the crystallization process and freezing of water and the amount of oxygen. So I don't know if that's even true, but it is an expression in English, right? Uh, this, this, uh, everybody like humans are snowflakes and there's not one the same. And, uh, so again, uh, I'm hoping that we can provide content that allows people to feel empowered, to, to think their own thoughts, to have, uh, you know, important conversations with people around them. Um, and to entertain them in the process, you know, we want to have fun when we're learning, right? Yeah, or definitely. Just... And there's a lot of there's a lot of topics that really we could explore, like masculinity, male masculinity, gender roles, cancer culture, psychology, uh, like you said, social um, media technology. Yeah, social media. What's that doing to it? The, the neuroscience around uh, around smart devices uh, and and the the addictive nature of of applications you know the, the dopamine hits uh, there's a lot of really crazy stuff happening in society right now not to mention the ai you know advances in uh in in artificial intelligence uh and just crazy technology like life extending drugs uh, they're doing crazy crazy research at the moment with stem cells and, and cloning uh there is so much you know, and we have self-driving cars. It's like, I feel like we're on the precipice of a huge, huge, not only consciousness shift, but technological wave that's just going to massively change how we live. Um, but I don't know. It could be just a feeling, but I don't know. Do you feel that? Do you feel like we our society could drastically, let's say for the richer Western countries that have access to technology and money and, you know, these is it going to be 15 years from now where everyone's going to have their pizza delivered by an Uber self-driving car? <laughs> yeah, man, that's a, that's a great question. And yes, I do. Um, the way things are now, um, if you don't mind, I'd like to play the devil's advocate. Uh, you said that you feel we are on the precipice uh, of this massive technological change that is ultimately going to alter humanity for the foreseeable indefinite future. I would argue that it's been here for decades already. Um, I would argue that it started with television um, and um, has just continued on. The Industrial Revolution, right? This changing of the physical, the biological human who once had to toil and labor and blood, sweat, and tears 
now has like access to washing machines, you know, refrigeration. So I think it all started back then. But you're right. We're at this. The pendulum is picking up speed and it's I feel like it's multiplying. So I feel like we're already there. We're already in the change. And I can see it in my classrooms. Um, I can see it in people's ability to remember things like there seems to be a shortage of memory these days. And I would uh, place a lot of that on cell phone usage. But um, <laughs> I think we're there, man. I think we are there. And, and will it be delivered? Yeah, I think so. You know, Thailand is a developing nation, right? Um, I don't know what world it is, but it's a developing nation. And uh, everybody orders food. And it's not a self-driving car yet. But yeah, everybody can have food delivered right to their house, you know? And again, lack of exercise, you know, we're becoming more uh, sedentary in many ways. So I think we're already in it, Stephen. I really do. I feel like it's, we're in it. And now we need to fully try to understand the changes that have been taking place, the ones that are taking place and the ones that possibly could take place. Yeah. And that's definitely true as far as uh, social media, internet, you know, Elon Musk has said that we're basically already cyborgs. The only thing that matters now is the is the rate of data that we can upload into our brains. There's a, a delay there because we have to type, you know, but that delay, you know, they're, they're looking at Elon Musk is, has a company that um, they're, they're experimenting with inserting chips into your brain to, to stop people with epilepsy, which is pretty cool, you know, that, and um, repairing spinal damage so people can walk again. I, I agree. I think this has definitely been happening. Um, maybe it feels like it's going to be a more drastic revolutionary type change. <clears throat> Excuse me. Maybe not. I'm not sure, but I feel like there's a lot of new advances in technology that could radically change how we live. And maybe it will take some time or maybe it won't. Um, but I, I definitely agree that our, our species has massively changed with the access of the way that we process information, how we're connected, and the way that technology has permeated pretty much every single aspect of our lives in a crazy yeah. way, right? In a crazy way. Can you like can you remember being 18 years old and just the simplicity of a car with a tape deck or a CD player? Um you know, a tele we had mobile phones when we were 18, but a, a, a mobile phone that could only make phone calls. I, I tell my students, I say, I'm so old that when I when I used to have a phone at your age and send a text message, it used to cost 20 cents a text message. Hmm. And that blows their mind. It's like, Phew, right? But that's how it was. Like you would, um, but there was a simplicity in that and, and phone calls and, but you know, maybe that's the the maybe that's nostalgia and the rose-colored glasses of nostalgia. But definitely, we weren't as connected in in, all, in sorts of ways, and young people didn't have to worry about um, young people didn't have to worry about being bullied online and you know sexually harassed and child predators and all that kind of crazy stuff that's out there now. But I feel like it's going to not get worse, but I feel like it's going to again we're going to shift gears. We have to. You know, and I think AI is going to be a big part of that. AI is going to shift gears for us. And then it's going to be uh, the capacity to have drugs that change our minds and then have computers that will change our minds. And I think that's that's coming, man. And I think it's going to be 
I, I think we're going to get, we'll probably be like 60 when it happens in the next 20 years. But I think there'll be, in the next 20 years, you'll be able to buy a, a, a tablet, a pill that will extend your life. But like, you, you know, whether it's therapy or ex extend your life, slow down the, the aging process uh, and boost up the regenerative process. Uh, and you extend your life 50, 50 years or 100 years. I think that will happen in our lifetime. Well, that would be crazy if it did, man. Um, I, I wouldn't mind having a few more years as long as the body didn't deteriorate uh, while our longevity uh, was expanded. You know, you don't want to live in suffering for a long that time. That Mr. Burns so out of the Simpsons. It's gonna be, yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, but yeah, man, I yeah, I think we're in it. And I think you're right. We're, we're in this, the transition. I don't know. Have you ever... I, I just I think that as long as we're having these discussions, we can make sure this transition is healthier for the human race, right? To, uh, healthier for societies. Um, you know, Elon Musk said we're cyborgs already, and I I almost agree with him. I don't think all of us are. Um, I don't think like my generation. Well, actually, well, a lot of them are, but I think there's still people that. Um, are really conscientious, are really skeptical. They're watching more than being like, I don't use like social media really. Um, I try to avoid that stuff, um, but whatever. I'm not trying to stand on a pedestal. I'm just saying, I, I believe that there are people, uh, chaperones out there trying to, trying to grapple with this. Um, but I feel like if we don't have these discussions, the, the shift into a different, I don't want to say species, but really it almost feels like a different animal altogether or cyborg uh, will happen really quickly. Like it will just like all the things, all the groundwork's already being laid. It's already being laid. It's already on its way. But then there's a moment where it just switches. You Have you ever taken like, uh, Stephen, have you ever like frozen water? And it wasn't frozen yet. And like you put it in like a water bottle in the freezer or something and you took it out and it was like liquid still, but then it just solidifies. Boom. You've seen this, right? No, I haven't like solidifying literally in front of you. Yeah. Literally in front of you. It actually just happened to me either yesterday or the day before I'd left a bottle of water, just like this, you know, a big bottle of water in the freezer. And I forgot about it. And the next morning I opened, I was like, oh, there it is. I was like, whoa, why didn't it freeze? Um, and and I've seen this in restaurant. I've worked in restaurant a lot in my life too. And I've seen it in restaurant is the moment it hits the heat of the outside the uh, freezer, it solidifies right before your eyes. You can see it clouding. It's rising up to the top of the bottle and it's clouding over and it becomes rock That's from cool. solid to rock by this. Yeah, try it, try it. But it might, it might solidify in the freezer. But I've seen this before. Uh, like I said, I've worked in the food industry for 10, 12 years of my life. So I've been exposed to this before. Um, and it's also like, you know, the cold glass that you put warm, like a, a lower temperature in that just cracks. You know that one, right? Like dishwashers, hot dishwashers. You, you're in a restaurant, you pull out the hot dish or the cup for a pint of beer, and you start pouring the beer, cold beer into the warm glass and the glass just shatters. It's kind of a similar concept, kind of different, but similar. And I feel like that is kind of what is going to happen if we are oblivious to the change that's taking place. Is it's just going to be like, it's already on its way. It's already on its way, but it's one thing still. And then it's something different. You know what I mean? Uh, 
So anyways, that was just an idea I had about this shifting in consciousness, this, I can't believe Elon called us cyborgs, but I, I, I kind of get it. I feel like I've called my, my children that before. Like I hate to say that, but I, I think I used robots, like people that use their phone all the time are such robots. Like I've said stuff like that. Um, yeah. Well, it's the point that to, to add on to that point is maybe what are we losing in the process and what's at risk and what's the transition period and what's, what's happening in that, in that transient period. Uh, and what are we, what are we gaining? What are we losing? What's happening? Uh, maybe socially, emotionally, you know, the internal process uh, in, in that journey, right? And what's happening to our humanity? Maybe it's the, is the bigger question. You know, how do we really feel about it? What What's the price of it, right? And maybe the price is it's extending your life for 200 years and it's worth it, right? Maybe um, maybe it goes against your biology and that you you hate the world and you hate your life and you long to die. I don't know, but I, I think all of that is worth it. Like a red red pill, blue pill, like take, if, if you're not satisfied, take this pill. If, you, if you're if you happy and want to keep going, take this one. <laughs> <laughs> Could be like that, right? And, and yeah, extend it if you want to keep going or <laughs> take this one if you want out, right? Uh, I love that movie, The, the Matrix. Um, uh, but yeah, so I think that's super interesting to think about what's happening to our human condition because the world can change around us right? The technology can change, society can change, the illusions can be brought in and taken out. But as humans, I feel like we stay the same in lots of ways. Who we are as people, what motivates us and how we interact and our instincts and our primal urges and the things that make us happy and and how we really connect with people, that they stay the same, right? You know, like 200 years ago, the way that you know, look at two and a half thousand years ago when the Odyssey by Homer was um, put together, oral tradition, stories, right? Mm-hmm. People connecting with stories and, and talking about heroes. It's the same thing in the movie The Matrix, right? We're sitting around watching a movie about about a hero coming, you know, finding his power through a process of discovery and, and uh, overcoming self-doubt, you know? So yeah. uh, what am I saying here is that the world can change around us, but you know, I wonder how much really you know we are going to change, and and what our children, our children's children. I wonder how they are going to be. Really, are they going to change? And that's really cool to talk about any of that stuff as far as as podcasting, understanding the human condition and how it relates to to humanity. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I do believe that there's uh, there is, is an audience out there that wants to have these discussions, Stephen. I really believe that. And, you, you know, I think as long as we have these uh, discussions, like human discussions about human situations and problems and solutions, as long as we keep the dialogue open, uh, I think it can anchor us in our humanity. Um, and you, you were saying that, like, we don't really change that much over time, possibly. Yeah. And I can see what you mean. Um, but I believe that's because of discussion. And even if it's not like a verbatim discussion, it's like reading classic texts, right? Reading a lot of very powerful, profound texts, you know, um, I think that keeps us grounded in our humanity. That's one of the great things about the Bible, this book that just won't disappear, no matter how much people hate it. It just, my, just manages to 
find its way into your hotel room dresser, right? He just like, what the what the hell is this? Oh, well, okay. Anyways, thank you, Gideons. Um, anyways, uh, you know, so as long as we have these discussions and the podcast allows people to have these discussions, and maybe you're a listener, but I think another goal is to eventually, if we do gain an audience, is to allow them to, you know contribute to our discussions uh through some sort of like a comment feature where we can like address if they have specific questions because i do want to have the dialogue the communication uh open for all of us because i think that you're right that we will remain human and stay passionate loving and, and and keep surviving as long as these discussions are being had if we all just isolate and go about our own, you know, uh, interest without talking to other people's or listen to other people's ideas. I think that there could be a dark outcome to that. Definitely. Cyborgs, cyborgs. Definitely. And, and, you know, some of us are, like you said, are more cyborgish than others, but, um, <laughs> you know, the, our human needs to, to be loved, to have a sense of connection, belong, uh, the dangers of conformity, um, integrity, honesty, uh, social connections, hierarchy, uh, primitive sexual desire, you know, those things aren't going away anytime soon, right? And either our biology and, and dopamine and all of that euphoria, those things that make us human, you know, you know I, and I think maybe to add to what you're saying as well is that we have these basic drives that these basic needs and to, to keep us feeling contented but as you mentioned if society changes and those things become imbalanced then we start suffering right look at the pandemic what that did with isolation look at social media sometimes with people uh look at uh, just the internet and people becoming the isolated and and lacking those human connections or bullying online is another one so i think those those human needs will stay the same, but maybe, maybe how we adapt to that, you know, how humanity adapts to that in the future is something worth looking at. Um, but I, I agree with you is that what are we trying to keep alive through conversation? And that's keeping the human spirit, keeping the reason and the logic and the integrity alive, right? That's yeah. what we want to preserve. You want to preserve that integrity of what it means to be human, because when that's lost, then we just become, um, I think we just become very, so fluid in our identity or so hedonistic that everything becomes lost, right? We, we just value nothing. I think maybe so I don't, I don't know, but I, I, I think that mm, some of those, some of those parts of our humanity, we should protect them. Right. And, and one way we can do that is, is through education. If you, if you stay educated, if you, have good conversations if you keep grounded and if you preserve that integrity and that respect for yourself and the people around you then you can you can create a good life uh, regardless yeah. of what happening what's happening around you in society absolutely and uh, yeah and that's why i'm really happy to be here with you uh to, like trying to map out this podcast so that we can provide uh avenues for discussion right and to hopefully connect with uh, a greater population that of, 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 well, you know, humans and, uh, yeah, man. So I think this is going to be a fun, uh, a fun experience. Um, and I'm really hoping that we can benefit people's lives in one way or the other, and that 
um, in reciprocation that they can also enrich ours by giving us feedback, um, et cetera. So this is pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, I agree. And uh, it should be fun, you know, and hopefully we get to grow a lot along the way and hopefully as well that we get some kind of interactive feature. And if anyone wants to give us money, that would be helpful. Um, <laughs> we'll definitely take money. <laughs> but um you know an interactive feature with the with people would be great because i would love to podcast about stuff that people want to hear about you know what 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 they want what they want us to discuss that would be really cool if we could do that in the future um but yeah man and uh, i'm i'm honored john that you'll want to be want to share this experience with me and be a part of this man so thank you for coming along in the journey and i think you know we're we're not fools. Okay, we've got something going on intellectually, and I think we got um, we we got good discussion and good full of, and hopefully that people will be able to benefit from that, man. So, yeah, bro, let's let's crush this. All right, sounds good, buddy, and look forward to hopefully seeing some of you guys uh, again in the future. So keep listening. I think we got some good stuff to come. Yeah, man. All right, people, if you got this far, thanks for listening. And uh, hopefully to, you guys tune in to some of our other podcasts. Adios. Adios. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. What do you think? <laughs>